Hello everyone and welcome to the Australian Performing Arts Teachers Association APADA podcast. APADA acknowledges the custodians and elders past and present of the land on which we work, practice, rehearse, perform and present across Australia. We pay respects to the cultural authority and traditions of the land. The first peoples of this nation express their culture through music, dance and storytelling and it is a privilege to continue a tradition of storytelling and performance in this country. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first Australians and traditional custodians of the land where we live, learn and work. everybody, Lou here hosting the Apata podcast with you this month. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of talking with Chantal from Studio Expansion. Studio Expansion was created to help studio owners grow their performing arts business. So whether you're in music, circus, drama, dance, Chantal covers all of these aspects for studio owners. Over the past 10 years, Chantal has helped studio owners make a profound impact in the lives of their students as well as their community and worked with more than 3,000 plus studio owners across mentoring programs, masterclasses, workshops and a whole range of events to help people move forward with their business. Hello Chantelle and thank you for joining us today for the APADA podcast. Hello Lou, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you very, very much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for making the time. Let's, let's go back to how did you get into the business of studio leadership and mentoring studio owners? You've been doing this for a long time now. Where did it all begin? Oh my goodness. It's, it has been a long time, but what a joy it's been. Um, so when I was at university, I was studying a Bachelor of Music and Music Education at the Sydney Conservatory of Music. And I was looking for a... Um, like a summer job teaching musical theatre camps. Because when I was a kid, I loved going to musical theatre summer camps, right? And we would put on like Les Mis in five days. It was just the best. And that would be such a fun thing to go and do while I was studying. Um, And I looked around in my area and there were none. And I was devastated because it was just such a big part of my childhood. I thought, well, kids need to be having musical theatre summer camps, right? This is a huge thing. And so I started my studio, which was called Born to Perform, and um, to deliver performing arts workshops, essentially singing, acting and dancing programs. And so I started this, I was 19, little wee, little nipper snap, I knew nothing. And um, because I was 19, I knew nothing. <laughs> and I was just all passion, no strategy. And, you know, we kind of grew, but it was, it was really hard work. And I got to say, I made all the mistakes in the book. And um, it got to the point where I was like, not, I was breaking even, I had maybe, you know, 50 kids, in the studio and I was just like this is actually not fun I don't know this is viable so I decided to take six months and just give myself the choice of am I going to continue doing Born to Perform or am I going to you know you know sponsor my studies and things like that and uh, in that time I I just became I had this like project of just becoming fascinated by the intricacies of studio strategy so I researched 
the best studios in the US, the UK, through Asia, here in Australia as well. And I read everything I could. Like I analyzed and overlaid like pricing schedules, right? So like how much studios charge for prices, how they package them together. I looked at timetables and analyzed timetables. I analyzed job descriptions and, um, you know, student manuals. Everything I could get my hands on from the best studios I researched and then was very analytical in, in, in associating that to what my philosophy was of what a studio should be. So then I was about 20 by this stage and I relaunched, I closed the studio in July and then I was planning to kind of, if I was going to reopen again, I would tap that kind of January kind of intake here. So we relaunched again in November with zero kids. And by 14th of January, I ran a, a kind of a program and we had 114 kids enrolled from zero. And from there, it, it was, I literally just had a better model. The business model that I had was right in terms of the, how everything was came together. It was very compelling marketing. I'd kind of mapped it all out. There was a, a less barriers to entry of resistance. And what happened then, like where I'd been really struggling to kind of make this business work, it was, I think I made like $14,000 profit that first summer camp I ever did too. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. And then I, I literally kind of scaled. So every six months I would open a new location, keep training my team, keep building them and their confidence. And then within a couple of years, we had six locations in Sydney with, you know, thousand kids doing our programs um, throughout the year, um, 34 teachers in the field. And just, it was just such a highly systemized replicable business that you know, we had six locations and I wasn't at any of them. I floated around just kind of overseeing it. And so what happened after that was I had a, got a phone call in the night from a, a local competitor saying, how have you done it? Like, like what, can I take you for coffee? Can we just go and sit down and just like, what, what I, and anyway, so then I started just mentoring her informally, not even kind of business coaching. It's like, well, I kind of, this is how I think about it. And this is kind of what I do. And from there I got a paid client and then um, within a few years, I transitioned, I sold the studios and then transitioned full-time into consulting studios, specializing in, in getting the business model right. Because studio owners work so damn hard every day of their life. They give their blood, sweat, tears. They sacrifice their time, their health, their, their relationship with their family, sometimes their marriages I've seen. I've seen horrendous things happen because they give so much to the studio because it's not what it needs. And what I've learned is that it's actually in the design, the architecture of the business model, that the, the huge changes can happen. And if we just do things a little bit differently, it's just tweaking the structure, like not the essence of what the studio is about, but just how things are kind of designed, magic can happen. And that's what I've devoted the last 10 years of my life to doing. It's one of those things, isn't it? So, you know, as you said, quite naive, 19 you're out there I'm this is what I do and we're passionate about what we do we we love teaching music we love teaching it might be drama it might be dance and and we're really good at what we do yes. but then we kind of stand there and we go gosh I'm actually running a business and yep. there are so many elements to that and finding that workplace and lifestyle balance, even when you're starting or you're looking to grow, is is quite overwhelming, I think, for, for many of us. And mm. that connecting with the community. So mm. you're in a suburb, um, there's other schools and competitors around you. Mm. How, how did you go about connecting with that community? What do you think the difference was when you relaunched and you said, right, let's start the intake? How did you connect with that community? 
I think it was one thing I really love is the deep psychological understanding of empathy, really, and 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 understanding what families are really deeply seeking. So, for example, one of the things that I did that has worked very, very well, even for clients I teach now is, so, you know, we we offered our, you know, day programs. This is just the summer camp kind of arm of the business. We offered, you know, day programs. And then I, I found an article that was um, in our local newspaper about dual income families and, you know, how difficult it is. And we actually got, we got some publicity around this, funny enough, because I was really speaking to that point. We offered free extended daycare from eight till nine before the camp and from three until 5.30 in the afternoon. And from an output perspective, it cost, I mean, that was one, um, you know, three and a half hours of wages that I had to kind of cover. But what happened is that when I said to the parents, you know, you could come at any time, drop them off at 8.30, pick them up at 4.30, and it's completely inclusive within the day. Parents just went like, oh my gosh, what a joy, what a delight. And it cost me, I mean, I could say their wages are $20 an hour. That was, you know, 80 bucks. But the marketing legs I got from that, which is grounded in in understanding of what actually makes their life easier. When we're thinking about for a studio, how we do our monthly payments, I'm a massive advocate for inclusive pricing. Never, I'm never gonna ask a family to kind of pull out a massive chunk of cash for recital at the end of the year because that's all been inclusive within. Uh, it's, it's grounding in how you want people to feel, I think is the essence of how we connect with community. It's, it's having the intentionality of of care and and wanting it to be easy for families because they're busier than ever and, and we our job is to make it easy for them not to burden them in any way whatsoever it's good business so absolutely and and when you even look at the the you know mixed family dynamic one might be off to violin i i know with with you know friends that i have um and with their children one might be off to soccer one might be off to violin another one's you know interested in circus and when you think about school checks out and then we're off to those classes those parents are just constantly on the move it is it is a very heavy schedule for them it's huge it's huge and so if we can really consider you know I, there's there's so many inherent perceptions around studio business people are coming people are looking at our businesses before they even enroll and thinking they've got their own mindset of what it's going to be to join a dance studio to take up music lessons I'm going to have to I'm going to have to nag my child to do their piano practice I'm going to have to kind of like shell out a lot of money for dance costumes they're coming in with these perceptions and you know our, as, a, as a company our mission it's studio expansion is to redefine studio business and, and part of that is is considering it's kind of meeting halfway of thinking, yes, there are these inherent systems and structures that studio businesses are known for. And in some ways, I'm curious about the opportunities for us to make life easier for the families, which in turn is going to enable us to simplify the business, which is going to allow us to scale even further and grow our businesses. So part of my job that I love is just questioning and going, why are we doing it this way? Is there an easy way where we could still get the output of connection and, and academic progress and the transformation within the child and the student that is going to really make it easier for people to say, yes, I love this and yes, I want to stay forever. I'm never leaving this family. Like, what is that? And, and that's, I think, the key, isn't it? Uh, whenever I go into a studio, I always have this, this feeling that there's a, there's a strong family. They're a, they're a family, they're a community, and they are there for each other as well. So mm. really important. Well, and, and on that point, like, it's, it's quite funny. I was speaking to a client the other day and we had this conversation um, you know, she was saying to me, oh, we just have 
the most wonderful community and wonderful family here. And, and it's just awesome. And I, I asked her a direct question, how do you facilitate that? Because what I think is interesting is many of us studio owners know and believe that we've got a beautiful kind of family environment, but it's only like that until it's not. And so my, you know, from a very systematic perspective, it's, I'm curious about how do you ensure that? How can you ensure every child feels included? How can you ensure there is a culture of acceptance? Like, what are we doing to manage that? And to, because I have six locations, right? And so uh, there's a real risk as you grow your business, that the cultural values aren't necessarily going to be upheld by every one of your team. There's more risk. So for me, like what's really important is like you come into me with 200 students and your vision is to get to 500 students. So I'm kind of trying to explore how do we maintain that intimacy with 200 students as we pump the marketing and systems to be able to get you to 500 students and not risk, not risk the, the potential um, dilution of your values as that occurs, because we must be proactive in this. There, there has to be a strategy for maintaining connection, maintaining a sense of family, of teaching inclusion from day one. Because if there's not, you know, you, you've seen it happen. People grow their businesses and then the retention, it's like a colander. Like it just like the students are straight away. And you see that in all types of businesses um, where, you know, there's this quick growth or um, a bounce in the growth. And it's one of those questions that we don't often ask ourselves. How do we maintain who we are and our culture and facilitate, as you said, as we grow? Because it can change very, very quickly if we're not aware of it. And that's the, that's, that's the situation we don't want to find ourselves in, that we kind of, we've grown, but then the culture hasn't grown with us. And then, and this, this goes across all areas of business, right? Like, cause it can be like, what I, what I have seen is that, um, you know, the systems you have now in the studio that we've built, like, let's say that you've got 200 students and the systems you have now, and let's say you're feeling a bit exhausted, right? And you're feeling a bit overwhelmed and you're feeling a bit stretched. Like I can, I can bet you 20 cents, bet you, I'm not a betting person, but I'll bet you 20 cents that like with 500 students, those systems are going to like be scarily thin, right? So my whole philosophy is on reverse engineering from the ultimate goal. So what I'm really curious about is so right, I think what I think what a lot of studio owners do because they're just trying to like they're like the duck, right? They're 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 floating over the water, but underneath you can't see that they are just like frantically trying to keep. You know, they're just going like this. They're they're running as fast as they can, and so they're just thinking about the next short term solution. Like I just need fifteen more kids. I just need to fill that class. I just need to kind of fire hire a new teacher, as opposed to kind of like let's just step back a bit and like okay, well if we had 500 students, what would the org chart look like for that? And what would the marketing be if we needed, if we knew that we needed to bring in, you know, 25 new students every term, because that would give us the kind of the consistency to, to be able to cater for a bit of retention attrition, but it would kind of give us the, the growth that we want. What does the marketing plan look like for that? So one thing that's my, like, this is where I geek out totally. This is going back to like that six months. <laughs> like, I'm, I want to know, I want to design the business model for the ultimate iteration, the ultimate vision of your business. That, that for me is just like strategic nerdery that I'm obsessed with. Cause if we get those systems, right, you build, you build the foundations, the house kind of comes. It's like build it and they will come. But if we can design those systems, wow, it's your life. 
it, you've got so much more confidence in growing the business and it happens with more ease and, and it's a, it's a stronger, more stable business, which is important too. Yeah. Having worked with the number of studios that you've worked over with the mm. last 10 years, mm. how often is it that you have a, a new client come in the door and um, there's no business plan? There's no marketing. How often do you come across it? So I've got this great studio um, and you start working through, right, let's put the business plan in place. How many people look at you with a bit of an aha moment going, oh, and it's like a complete start from scratch? Oh, Lou, it's such a beautiful question. And, and, and truthfully, that, that's the norm. That's, um, I think, you know, as an industry, um, you know, probably I, I would say 5% of our clients who come through the door have got a formalized written down like three year strategic plan. Very, very few, to be honest. Um, most of them, we are looking at implementing strong systems from, from the word go, which is, which is beautiful because we get to have these questions of like, first of all, we find out what their mission is. Like, what are you here to do with, like, you're not just here to teach a drama curriculum. You're not just here to teach improvement in scales and performance like there's there's a deeper human reason where we're wanting to connect with these students and as we work with them over the years that we want these students to graduate into like you know we're, we're here to teach you know how to awaken their own greatness within themselves or we're here to you know really curate a community that is just extraordinary that, that is grounded in the arts and so I want to know that first, because that is going to infuse every little strategic and tactical decision we make. If I know that your passion is to awaken each child to their own greatness, that's going to change how we design an onboarding protocol. It's going to change how we design that. So to answer your question, there's a whole new world of intentionality and of beauty in studio strategy that I think most studio owners aren't awakened to they they we don't know what we don't know i suppose and i think a lot of studio owners they started their business because they're very very good teachers they're extraordinary at teaching and they love it it was for me like i love that sparkle in that student's eye when they get it is just the best feeling in the world right like as a teacher there's nothing nothing better and we start our studios from that perspective and my my great joy now is to help studio owners who are great educators fall in love with the business side of running a business to, to identify, not just like I'm a, I'm a teacher, then they move into the identity of I'm a studio owner, but to associate with their own identity, like I'm a leader and to, for them to be confident in leading the strategy and leading their team and in leading the vision and mission application. And that's, that's everything that we're here to do. So, it doesn't matter to me that studio owners haven't got a plan because part of the joy is the exploration process and who they want to become and what change they want to create in the world through the vehicle of their business. And, and, and as a business is going to generate more freedom for themselves and more profit and also the fulfillment piece is, is so it's, part of it's it. a whole journey, isn't it? A whole journey. And one of the things I just absolutely love about your programs is, um, especially the mentoring program, um, having worked in, you know, the corporate sector and, and various different sectors, I, I don't think we fully appreciate um, how important it is to have a mentor and a coach. Yeah. Someone that we, um, we have all these dynamics and this journey in front of us, but it's not something that we just do 
and walk away from and that person is left then to manage their own ship as such. There's a mentoring and a coaching that goes with this process of growth. And that connection is super important, just as it is as important to, you know, keep your skills and your development and your professional development and your art form. This is a form of business. And I know that you work quite, um, quite a lot of coaching, actually. It's, it's a big part of what you do. Yes. How important do you see mentoring and coaching as part of your everyday programming that you offer um, for people that work with you and come to you for assistance? Oh, it's everything. It, it is, it is, it's the heart. Um, and I think that that's grounded. One of, one of my real values uh, for our company is on individualization. Like there's, there's a lot of kind of cookie cutter crap out there, right? Like everyone just, there is same, <laughs> this kind of save marketing thing. Like let's all kind of do that. And I just think that that's a lot of BS because really what we're here for is to elicit your uniqueness in in your marketplace like you you are in, in there's more there's more students than ever before that's not going to change right like kind of the role of a coach is to find out what makes you unique and then amplify that um greatly um that's that's what my job is to do and so you know if you look at elite ballerinas elite performers they've all got teachers they've all got vocal coaches they've all got you know, people that they're working with artistically and business is, is just the same. I've always had a coach. And every time I work with a new coach, I kind of go to like my business doubles or sometimes triples um, because I'm, I'm stepping into a new identity that they are helping to open the door for me. Yes, there's strategic kind of things that we turn into, but there's also, I think this kind of 50% of the value exchange of 50% of is getting kind of like the, the knowledge of the strategies that are going to get my business there. And 50% is that coach solidifying within ourselves of, I am, I am ready to be the leader of this business. I'm, I'm not here to play small. I want to run. I'm ready. And I just want you to like open the doors to me and I'm ready to go. Like I've got the fire in my belly. Let me at it. And sometimes having someone to keep you accountable and, and to build that momentum within you is just so exciting and so much fun to realize and to share the journey with it's it's more fun this oh way. i agree i've always had coaches and mentors as well and and i certainly would not have the career progression and doing what i do now with, without every individual input and it happens at different stages in your life depending as you need mm. um but um it's invaluable and then i think the opportunity to give that back mm. is just, you know, a wonderful part of your own personal journey as well, that you get to offer what you've learnt and the experience you've got or I've been in those shoes or where to now. So so you we just you just briefly brought up there that it is a competitive market. It's a mm -hmm. very competitive market out there. Mm -hmm. um, though I think for me, performing arts in every suburb is just imperative um, to our communities. Um, but being a competitive market, what would be some advice that you give about how do you make your studio the destination? Because of the, the different cultures, different offerings, and there's a uniqueness that you've you know, said is to everybody. So while it's individual, um, I think studio destination is really important. Yeah, totally, totally. To be the destination studio is, is everything. I mean, that's where 
we are the the organic word of mouth and referral network that is established means you my goal is for you not to be able to have to, my goal is for you not to have to market <laughs> essentially like really if i can get your business to the point where you don't have to market and you still have a steady stream of enrollments i've done my job well that's that's and and so much of that is on choreographing the internal trajectory and experience of the student so looking at you know the stages of of wow factor and when those little little kind of moments come in the spark or that just spark give them things to talk about right but i think that there's a there's a larger i mean that's the kind of easy answer right it's to kind of wow the students like that's that's the thing but i think there's actually a secondary thing that um of when i see the really outst like when i see when i work with studios who have got 95 percent and above annual retention rates where i see the ones who don't have to market i see you know 20 percent plus pre-tax profits so are high profitable, highly systemized with like, you know, significant sized teams. When I look at what they're doing, what I, what I do see is again, this, there's a, there's this intentionality that kind of underlies, it's like Disney, right? Like Disney, everything comes back to, it's like the happiest place on earth and everything kind of comes back to kind of making, it's like this, like the onstage and offstage, like there's so many like mechanical things that are going on behind stage that are giving that onstage experience. Like for example, we went to um, uh, the Disney Institute. Uh, my team and I went to the Disney Institute in Florida and studied um, at Disney, like from a business perspective. It's fascinating. Like for example, they have got data analysis into how far apart to put rubbish bins. And they, they looked at like how far, how many steps people take before they need a bin. And it's something like seven steps. So there are seven steps um, between the rubbish bins, but then they don't want people, you know, this is the whole onstage idea. They don't want people like schlepping massive big trash bags through the park. So they've actually plumbed underneath all of the, the rubbish cans, this underground subterranean rubbish chute system so that all of the rubbish is just automatically sucked down and then taken away to a central rubbish depot. So you never see someone kind of like trash bins moving around. And likewise, they don't want, like, let's say, you know, you don't want Mickey Mouse in the Star Wars area or kind of like you, you, don't, you kind of, you need to maintain the, the experience so that this is they're immersed in this stage. So they've got little secret pop-up entrances in the different, the different kind of sections of the park so that when the kind of the cast members, their, their team members are all dressed in costume, you don't see the wrong person walking through the wrong area, which would kind of break the magic, right? So they've really refined this art of, of curating this perfect little world designed to keep them in this track. And there's, there's mechanics and systems that go on behind the stage that make that possible. And when I look at that, it, it's coming back to that whole idea of mission we spoke about earlier, like what actually is your studio here to do? How do you want people to feel? What is this world that we're creating in your studio? And what are the systems that are needed to facilitate that? And this is kind of, you know, this is, this is more advanced studio strategy, but it's the best marketing you can do because if we can optimize the student experience for your current students in a way that it's just enchanting, it's just the most enchanting, irresistible experience, they're going to stay and they're going to bring your friends. So, I think there's a lot of studio owners out there who just kind of want the next kind of little marketing tactic. Like little kind of, I just want these autoresponders and, and I think that they're very important and I love them geeking out on those marketing things. And also if we supplement that with a really beautiful intentionality on the internal systems of, of how we're curating that experience, just that's, that's Nirvana. That's studio utopia in my book. 
studio destination, something for everybody to definitely think about. Mm. I raised before about, I, personally, I see it as imperative that while there's a, you know, um, many studios out there offering lots of different things, I, I, I personally see that the, the strength of personally owned studios in suburbs, mm. regional towns is critical to the performing arts. And, and to me, they are future leaders, if not already, in that continual growth area. We're seeing lots of curriculum changes in, in mainstream areas of schools or affordability, things like that. Um, and I'd, I'd be really interested to hear what your thoughts are, Chantel, that um, the community private studio to me is essential it's just essential as the soccer oval or all those things and and the solid base and foundations we have across an entire country across an mm -hmm. entire state i see is critical and um, we hear a lot about stem um teaching stem 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 and i always say can we put an a in there for arts integration please and it's it's one of my personal things um i i, I think for a, a student whether they fall in love with an instrument um, fall in love with dancing. It's not even about whether they're going to be professional or not. It just opens up their entire world mm -hmm. and their own personal journey. So your thoughts? Oh my goodness. I mean, like when the national curriculum was released in Australia for ACARA um, and we saw the reduction in arts um, curriculum allocation, it's just so devastating, right? It's just so hard. And that that point, I was actually working for the Department of Education um, at that time. Um, uh, and what I really learnt in my heart, and it kind of fueled, that was kind of when I was really transitioning into full-time studio expansion, funny enough, um, it fueled within me that we can no longer rely on um, a school education to deliver arts education and arts awareness and arts um, exposure, in fact. We can't. It's being reduced, it's being kind of, the curriculum has been squashed and there isn't a lot of resource being allocated. And, and God love our, our beautiful public schools systems for giving everything they've got and these teachers who work above and beyond give everything. Like they, they're the most remarkable humans. The generosity that these people bring to our school systems is extraordinary. And kids, we can't rely on our kids being exposed to the arts in that way anymore. So for me, the only answer is that studio owners are the keystone to community arts accessibility. They are the, in fact, the foundational linchpin of our community culture. And so what drives me is it's, it's, my, it's my deep passion to empower these studio owners to get better at opening their doors and enrolling more students and retaining more students for longer so they can get the depth of arts immersion so they can, you know, love the arts throughout their whole lives. Because without local studios at a grassroots level, we will not have widespread community culture in our communities. And that's devastating. We need studios to be better at marketing. We need studios to be better systemized and delivering a higher caliber experience so that we can shift the relationship, maybe some of the inherent perceptions around studios in, in our communities so that we can, this is a serious business. I think a lot of people look at a studio and think like, oh, like, what's your real job? And that's just, forgive me, it's bullshit, right? It's just, and like, oh, so your hubby must support you or like that just must be a nice little fun fluffy job. And like, they don't understand this is a real career. And I want the kids in our studios to grow up looking at us and not thinking, God, she looks exhausted and overwhelmed. I don't want to be like her. Like that, that doesn't seem like a fun career move. I want them to look up to us and going like, 
running a studio would be the best job in the world, right? This is a dream. I get to be immersed in what I love and my passion and I get to have this great lifestyle and I get to provide for my family and like all the joy, like our job right here, right now is to show the students in our studio just how bloody awesome this opportunity we have is. And it starts with like getting our businesses under control. (laughs) We need to kind of rein in the beasts that many of you guys have and show like, this is what's possible. And you know, my clients are doing this. My clients are running, you know, mega, mega studios and they're working, you know, around two days a week. It's possible. It starts with the love. We got to fall in love with the business side first and, for me, if we can do that, if we can, if we can get better at running the businesses at a grassroots level, we'll shift the amount of awareness of the arts. And, and that's going to bring the, the inclusion, the acceptance, the tolerance, the compassion, the, the love, the, the connectedness that the arts inherently possesses into our communities. And that's where humanity is formed. And that's what this is all about. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, certainly a very big part of everyone's lives. And it's interesting how you say people don't necessarily take the business side of what we do seriously and, and you know, oh, support or is it fluffy? But there, it, it, it is a business and, and um, the recognition and to build that business model, the more we talk about it, the stronger we're only going to be as we mm. continue to grow. So yeah. fantastic. I think it's, I think it's because we've come in, we're educators first. We haven't necessarily started our businesses to be a business. Like I didn't, I started it because I was an educator and I loved, I loved to educate and I love kids and I love the spark. And so my mindset going in was to kind of please. And I think that there is this, it's that so many studio owners that I work with and who I love are very, very beautiful people pleasers, but it doesn't serve them from business mindset. So like they don't want to raise their prices or they don't want to uphold stronger boundaries around their payment collections or around their, you know, operations because they, they want to make people happy. So there's this, there's this kind of energetic imbalance in the relationship with the business, which is quite interesting. So I think it's, it first of all starts with us firming up our, our, our muscles, <laughs> firming up our muscles of like, like this is why we're here. This is what this is how it works, and and being confident in the strategy of our business so that we can show we mean we mean what we say, and and we're not just here to kind of be walked over. I, I have a lot of clients who are burnt out because they're just bending over backwards for their team and for their families, and it's exhausting. Oh, so- they do. They do massive hours, and it's back to that life work balance and um and and finding that balance and. Other businesses do it, and this is no different, most definitely. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. most definitely. And, you know, there's lots of um, business tools and, and resources and whatnot that get built into this that you take them through in the packages. And so the implementation of that business balance, as well as doing what you love, mm-hmm. is just so super important. Mm-hmm. It has been a really unusual 12 months for many of us across the globe. Um, And I think uh, I read many articles with, um, you know, teachers in in various forms of performing arts um, business and schools where like most things they were shut down. We had issues across depending what state you're in where they were classified under gym. Um, And um, so they're under a a lot of different dynamics. And I believe that's a conversation that as a a community, we need to continue to ensure that those things are changed and there's that recognition of this huge business workforce. Um, 
and there's been lots of adapts and changes. So how have you, because I'm sure you've spoken to many, many people over the last 12 months about how we move forward in the changing climate that we had, with studio shut down and then everyone flipping to digital and quite a big undertaking for a lot of teachers that did not have those resources. It's a completely different skill set as well as the student on the other side of the camera. Um, what has been some of the, the key advice that you've given over the past 12 months about where to and how to adapt and being ready for maybe future change, even as we settle into a post-COVID normal? I just want to start by saying, like, hats off to our whole industry. Like, holy moly, these people are remarkable because, like, on the turn of a dime, they flipped their whole business models, their whole teams, and, like, it was damn hard and how beautifully everyone did in this like it was not easy and people have been severely impacted and also like just the courage that people brought to this and I think now we're kind of at this 12 mark 12 month mark on there's there's this real kind of awareness of like how big it actually was and how much was required of our industry we're really fortunate that we were able to pivot. Like my hubby's, uh, my hubby's in tourism. He's a company that's in like uh, luxury golf tourism. His company's been oh. annihilated. It's been a bit awful actually. So he can't trade and literally it won't happen until there's a significant volume of international tourism again, which is really hard for Trav. Um, so there's a part of me that goes, how fortunate we ha we've had this opportunity. And, and, you know, I think everyone's done such a great job of, of shifting to Zoom and, and, or, you know, navigating the hybrid model. Um, what's, what I think I'd like to speak to on this topic is, it's kind of back to that conversation we've been having today, which is about the business model. What, what, there's kind of three clients who are coming to work with me right now. The first are kind of like, um, you know, times of I'm not letting this take me down and I'm going to give everything I've got to kind of make sure this business is, is going to navigate these times. The second one is kind of like, you know what, you know, I've got a bit more time right now than I normally do. So I'm kind of, I want to use this time productively to kind of work on the business. And the third studio has been like, we're actually doing really well. We've, we're, we're, we're really solid. And I'm like, let's run. And what's interesting is that I'm seeing that studios can use this opportunity where there is some flex, right? For many studios, like it's nerve wracking to kind of make changes in their business uh, because there's, you know, expectation and like, you know, people, it's always been done this way. And we're entering a new paradigm now where COVID has actually been a catalyst for an invitation to change. So for me, it's actually a really fun conversation to be having like, what has just, how, what, what's been the current kind of architecture of your studio? And, and like, if we were to use this time right now to really think, well, maybe I could kind of crack open a little window of possibility to shift and do things a bit differently. What could that look like? I think it's been an unbelievable catalyst for empowerment of you to make this business on your own terms. Even though it's been difficult, I feel we're shifting into this new, new era, which does allow for, like I've got clients who, whose revenues are having their highest ever year. And I know that's not everyone's experience. I've got studios who are filling out their third locations right now. It, it really, it done creatively, the, the entrepreneurial question, the curiosity of like, what if we could do things a little bit differently right now and how can we run with it is very, very interesting. So I wanted to empower you. First of all, we have to go through the stage of grief of, of the business is probably not hitting the, the targets you may have expected or anticipated or wanted to be hitting at this time. And there is a, there's very much acknowledgement of that. Like it has, it sucked, right? It has totally sucked. And 
maybe this is the best thing that ever happened to your leadership. Maybe it's like, you know, there's that thing around, like there's always the silver lining on every cloud. Like what if right now we're coming into a time where what you've learned from this and the strength that you've had in leading your business through this awful pandemic has actually given you the strength to now know like, well, I can do bloody anything. I'm unstoppable. If I've got through this and I've got, I've, I've led my business through this, I can do anything. And there is such a deep empowerment within that, that I'm actually quite excited to see what you can go and create going forward. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what this opens up within this. And when things do return to normal, how much with how much more impact you'll make decisions. That's, that's what I'm curious to see. I, I'm, it's been hard, but I think we're yet to see the full rewards of what your incredible labor has produced. What would be your top tip for 2021? What would you say to studio owners out there for 2021? This is, if there's anything to focus on, this would be my focus. Great question. Oh, there's so many areas to kind of go. <laughs> I, think, I think my biggest thing I'd like them to really be thinking of is look further ahead. Don't let right now shape the decisions you're making. Don't diminish how you are showing up. Allow yourself to be present in this moment, but do not take your eyes off the horizon for a moment. This will pass. And when it passes, be ready to run. Because people are going to, I mean, what we're seeing here in Australia is um, even the studio that my daughter goes to, their numbers are bigger than ever. Because, you know, at the end of last year, you know, term two, term three, it was obviously just a whitewash. Term four, people were starting to kind of come back into, into ballet, into dance. And then now term one, they're seeing this real upswing of people like wanting culture. One of my mates works for Opera Australia. He says the opera is sold out every single night right now because people are desperate for culture. The arts is going to bounce. So use this time strategically. Think about the systems we're going to need to support that so we can really ride the trajectory of, of what, what I'm hoping is going to be a real arts upswing in our communities um, and, and get ready to market. Market, don't take your foot off the pedal. Keep the accelerator on your marketing. Do not hold back. Um, you know, this is obviously massive retention time, massive loving on your team and students, but, but above all, keep your foot on the pedal. Even though you're tired, I want, <laughs> I want you to keep going if you can. Absolutely. Chantel, thank you so much for today. Your insights, um, the expertise, but more importantly, just, just your passion and your leadership for all of these businesses. And, and I know that you work lots in Australia, but you also have this global model. So you have this reach that's just astounding across the world. And we really appreciate your time today. Please, everybody, reach out to Studio Expansion. Have a look at what they have to offer. You'll find them at www.studioexpansion.com and the team there will assist in any way they can for whatever stage you're up to or whatever support and assistance that you need. Thank you so much, Chantel. It has been an absolute eye-opener and a pleasure. Thank you, Lou. It's been such a delight having this time with you. And, and as ever, my door is always open. Happy to hear from everyone and help wherever I can. So thank you for this opportunity so, so greatly. And uh, my best wishes to all of you. And, and again, hats off to our remarkable industry. You guys are remarkable. Thank you very much.